Welcome to Hope Community Podcast. It's great to have you join us today listening online. We pray you'll be impacted by our message this week. Enjoy. Look, when I um, was seeking God about what to speak on, it was a little bit laughable when I heard what he said. Because it was probably only a week before that that God had really been poking on, this is a weakness of yours. And so I was like, oh, really, God? Like, if, if I need to speak on this, you better, you better do something quick. Um, but of course he's good. So he's been speaking a lot and taking me on a pretty steep learning curve. But I just want to pray briefly before we get started any further, actually. So, Lord, I pray for this morning and I pray, Lord, that what you've put on me, you would help for it to release today. Lord, your glory, I pray that that would release today. Lord, your hope, I pray that that would release over people today. Lord, your strong words that need to get into the right space, I pray you would release them and put them where they need to go, Lord. And we just choose now to be receptive of what you want to say, Lord Jesus. We pray this in your name, Lord. Amen. So my question for you just now is how do you deal with change? How do you cope with change? Do you find it hard? Do you wish that things would slow down and that there would be some stability? And maybe you think, yeah, I'm okay. I deal with change really well. So I'd say to you, when you are pushed out of your comfort zone, when you didn't want to be, how do you go with that? How do you react to that? Is your reaction to suck it up in that moment, think, yeah, I'm okay, because it'll go back to normal pretty soon? Or have you wondered why one day you suddenly feel really stressed and really overwhelmed and there seems to be no catalyst only after sitting down in in the bog a bit, you realise something really big changed way back and you've even forgotten about it because you didn't deal with it. Well, come with me into what I believe God's saying about this season where there is so much change, into what he's saying going forward, what he's doing and how we deal with this. And he's been saying to me, obviously my process for speaking today is a little bit unusual Um, if you know me at all, as a um, prophet here. So he's been saying to me that change is like going through a fire. So if you imagine a landscape picture, I think one will come up for us to give you a start. But if you imagine a landscape picture, like when you've seen on the news, you know, the Victorian fires, there was one on Fraser Island, and when they ravage through a big space, they take out the grass, the plants, the leaves, the ground is scorched, the fire has whipped through. Well, maybe if you can understand all that change, maybe you feel like you've actually been in a fire for a while. I was thinking of this in terms of this year, but just then in worship, I really felt God put the marker on it for me. And it's it's been... Um, about two years from from now. So before COVID even hit, this this fire started coming through, this change started coming through. And maybe you feel like you've been through a fire where there's nothing to hold on to. And so you hold on to God with all you've got. Because the thing is that with a fire, it actually takes away. 
It doesn't just move your things over here. They're just gone. They're, they're suddenly gone. So we talk about God's refining fire. Doesn't that sound nice? Refining. <laughs> but maybe a better word for you today is ravaging. It feels like a ravaging fire. And I was speaking with a leader in Queensland Baptist about a week ago, and he was telling me how in one generation, we've gone from about 45% of people coming to church to about 7 to 9%. So we have seen in one generation an enormous landscape change in our country in the church. And a fire causes that landscape to just dramatically change in a short space of time. So words that we hear spoken now every day, we didn't know the meaning of two years ago. The way that we do our daily life compared to two years ago is completely different. Just about everything has changed. So it's no surprise that God comes and shows me that this fire, that his fire, has been burning through this time as well. And the word that God gave me was that his fire is a consecrating fire, a purifying fire. And he said, don't despise or fear my fire. Let the flames come. Because his fire is a consecrating fire. On top of the world changes to have a consecrating fire coming through. So we've got the ravaging, we've got the consecrating. It all seems a bit harsh, doesn't it? But the truth is that the changes brought by the Lord in this time is because he is strengthening us, he is building in us, and he's getting us a fresh slate to dream on for our future. He's equipping us, and he's taking out the old stuff, making room and clearing the way for the new to come, and he is doing a new thing. So we're going to look at what God is saying to come after this fire. And we're going to look at Isaiah 61. So I'm just going to read it and you can follow along with me. The spirit of the sovereign Lord is on me because the Lord has anointed me to proclaim good news to the poor. He has sent me to bind up the brokenhearted, to proclaim freedom for the captives and release from darkness for the prisoners, to proclaim the year of the Lord's favour and the day of vengeance of our God to comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of a spirit of despair. They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for his display, the display of his splendor. And we're going to go further, but for now we're going to focus in a little bit on verse 3. And so that verse 3 of bestowing on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, because it fits with this concept of the fire that he's been showing me. Do you feel heavy? Do you feel in grief? Have you been crying tears of sadness? Do you feel like you've been sitting in the dirt, in a really dirt, barren, dirty place, and that all is lost? 
Well, an important part here after a fire is that the ash, the dirt, the ash is critical. So I've done some reading around fires with this metaphor that God's using. And physically on the earth, where there is a fire, after there's a fire, ash is what remains. And you'd know that from having a bonfire at home sometimes. But the ash is full of potassium, calcium, magnesium, and all sorts of trace elements. The ash, dirt, and dust is critical for the next phase of the land. The rain comes and waters the ash into the ground, releasing the minerals, and it nourishes the soil. It restores the soil so that the conditions for new growth are excellent. So the immediate product of a fire, the ash, is actually critical for the new season ahead. So we mustn't miss this. And in verse 3, it says, God wants to give you a crown instead of ashes. He comes to do a trade with you. He comes to take those ashes and give you a crown. He comes to the ones in the ashes. So just like in the New Testament, in the Beatitudes, it says, Blessed are those who mourn, for they will be comforted. God says he will come to those in the ashes and give you a crown. He will come to those in mourning and bring gladness. He will come to those heavy, overwhelmed, weighed down, and bring them to a place of praising. God comes to those in need. And some people don't even realize their need, but the truth is that we are all in need of him. Every one of us needs Jesus and his grace, his love and his provision. But not every one of us is willing to admit that. Not every one of us is willing to admit and acknowledge that the fire has come through, everything has changed and it touched you. You might think, yeah, everything's changed, but it didn't touch me. I'm all good. It did. Some are still holding out, saying that when this all sorts itself out and goes back to how it was, it'll be fine. Others have shrunk down to the space that they can still control. They've become less engaged because there's a smaller space. The boundaries have gotten thicker. They've refused to engage in things, become more inflexible than before. But once we go through what's happened, it can't be the same again. The structure's changed, the people have changed, the landscape has changed. And so we need the one, we need the one who hasn't changed in our lives. We need to admit that we need the one who hasn't changed to help us with the change. So spiritually in the Bible, with this ash, it's mentioned many times. People would actually go and get ash. They'd put it on their head. They'd put it on their forehead. They'd dress in sackcloth and they would sit in the dirt. They physically did that act as a representation when they'd received bad news, experienced a crisis or realised their own failing. So Job in the Bible, he lost everything in a day. Servants, children, sheep, camels, all gone 
in a day. And in chapter 2, it says he sat in the ashes. He sat in the ashes and he took stock. He had almost no stock to take stock of. But he sat there and he took stock. Sitting down is a form of stopping. It's time to stop. Have you stopped and taken stock? It sounds awful, but being present in the reality is one step towards better because you can't deal with what you don't acknowledge. In Esther, when Mordecai heard about the devastating rule that all the Jews would be wiped out on a particular day, it says that Mordecai put on sackcloth and ashes and he went out into the city wailing bitterly. And in the ashes, there was crying. There was active lamenting. So we don't like to cry these days. We even apologize if the tears come and we're some, oh, sorry. We even apologize. There's a whole book of the Bible on lamenting. It's called Lamentations. And earlier in the year, I did a bit of a study on the theology of crying. And the short of it is that crying leads to breakthrough. Weeping may last for a night. The night is not one night. The night is the dark time that we are in when it's bad and we're mourning. Weeping may last for that time and joy comes in the morning. And note, mourning is a breakthrough. We have breakfast, we break through, but it means mourning sad. So the breakthrough comes through our tears of mourning, acknowledging. And the ash in the Bible is also a sign of repenting. Job came to a point through that whole book at the end where he sat and he repented. Sometimes a fire comes through consequentially for our own wrongdoing and we lose things and we need to take stock of the loss and change and we can admit our contribution to the Lord and we can receive his comfort through that and restoration that causes us to be able to turn and do differently next time. That's repentance. When I was reading practically about the fires, this is what it said. It said, what should you do after a fire? Although it is difficult, patience is the best approach. Water down on trees and plants because it allows them to breathe. It helps the nutrient ash seep into the soil. And if you have total significant landscape loss, you have an opportunity to rethink what you really want and need in your landscape. So when we sit in the ash and see the reality of the loss, we see the open space, there is a clean slate there to dream about what we want with the Lord. Now, for those of you who are just realizing everything has changed, and it did touch me, it's probably time to sit patiently in the ash with Jesus. For those of you distressed about all the change who've been fighting from sitting in the ash, it's time. And for those of you this year, and I know there are some in this room who have been mourning, grieving and crying out to God in despair, letting God work in you for humility, there is great news. Actually, for all of us, there is great news because God is speaking into the future and the new growth 
that is like a new birth. God is doing a new thing. So the word consecrating, consecrating fire means setting apart. It means chosen and called. It means equipped, raised up, ready for good works that God has chosen for you. It means that he has wonderful things for each of you to be involved in, in this life, in this time, in this world. You are to impact the world around you. I don't know if you realize that. You're not here to sit around on the earth. You're here in this particular time. You weren't born 50 years ago because you weren't meant to be there then. With the setup and the structure of the world now, it needs you in it. That's what God decided. And so you are an impactor. Where you go every day and what you do matters. You're an impactor. And so each of you is included in this, in this new thing that he is saying. Each of you is called for this. And some of you are like, yes, I'm excited by this. I needed the reminder. But some of you are stressed because you just feel so weary and the changes are so dramatic and you just want it to slow down. So we're just going to go through three things that I believe they're practical instructions that God has said for us to deal with the change and be ready for the future. So the first one is look up and let go. When you're sitting in the ashes, for those of who have been crying this year, you'll know this, you're sitting in the ashes, you are looking at the loss. And if you do that with Jesus, you're receiving his comfort and we're focused on the loss. But at some point, and probably not in linear fashion, Sometimes we get a little bit simplistic and black and white. Probably not in linear fashion, but at some point you need to look up. Up is where the Lord is. God is the lifter of our heads and we look up and we see him and we have hope that good things are possible. So when we see God, we hear of what he's saying for the future. We remember what he said in the past. We remember what he's done in the past and we can look back down at the ashes in our hands and we can look up to that and look down to that and we can say, wow, God's there. It's okay to let go of these now. We look up and we see future and hope and we can let go of these things now. So we let go of the ashes onto the ground, ready for washing into the ground to bring the nutrients that actually contributes to the health and flourishing of the future. So our letting go is actually letting the loss build into us as a person going forward. Isn't that amazing that God is so good that we think we're letting go, we can never have it again. But in that process of letting go, it actually inputs into us, it is built into us so that our future is better. And so we let go, but it then comes and it builds us up for our future. So look up and let go. Some here might need to let go of being the superhero who controls everything around them so that they can embrace just being a human with limits that serves a limitless God. How good would that be? Look up and let go. Some of you will look up and see in God's eyes that there's nothing to fear 
because there he is and he's in your future. So you can let go of the past to go in the future. Look up and let go. Some of you will look up and see that he is still saying the same things about you. That you're chosen, you're called, you're appointed, he's with you for now. Not for some other time, for now. You get the privilege. We get the privilege of doing great things with God where we see him move. That's what we get to do in this life. Look up and let go. Some of you will look up and see then what was that's in your hands is old. It's out of season. It's not ripe anymore. And you think, I want to get in God's season so I can move with him. Look up and let go. Some of you will look up and see that what's in your hands has trapped you now. And it's time to let go so that you're not trapped in that anymore, but that you can have freedom. And yet your freedom is not open-ended. Your freedom is getting to stand beside the one who never changes. Look up and let go. The second thing is get in your lane. Get in your lane. So when we try to do things that are outside our responsibility, it doesn't go well. You might recall this. We wonder why, because we don't usually notice at first that we've jumped out of our lane, we wonder why we keep getting resistance. You might even have the thought of, gee, I don't know why they're upset, I was only trying to help. You wonder why it's so exhausting, why there just seems to be no grace on anything. And not always, but sometimes it's because we've moved outside our lane. In your roles, you have a certain responsibility for things, for relationships and for structures, and this responsibility actually is what brings us purpose and satisfaction. So God gives us a calling, and that calling means we have responsibilities. So it's not like, oh, God said this wonderful thing, I have a calling. You have responsibilities with that calling. So I've got a responsibility and a calling, I'm a mother. And so I have a responsibility to mother my children. Now, as they grow older, they change. And so my responsibility changes frequently. Some of us parents struggle with this change. And in my experience, when the kids were babies, that change happened around dramatically, around every three months. You know, you, you just work them out, You'd be like, I've got a bit of a system, I've got a bit of a routine, and then bang, they wake up, they've done a developmental growth spurt in 12 hours, and here we are in something else. And in that, we change. We have to change in our responsibilities. If we hold on to the old ways with our kids, we actually suffocate them. We block them from developing how God wants them to. So our responsibilities change. You know, we don't spoon feed a child who is ready to feed themselves. So now we're going through lots of change. So what is your lane? Get in it. Let God show you where you're overstepping the mark, crossing boundaries, or even trying to be in someone else's lane. You know that when you're in someone else's lane, you're actually preventing them from engaging and stepping into their responsibilities where they will feel satisfaction and calling on their lives. Don't rob people. 
So if you're afraid to pull back in your lane, I would say this to you. Don't doubt who you are. Don't doubt the size of what God has called you to because it's significant. You're an impactor. It's important. What God has called you to is good and it's right. So get in your lane. And when you come into your lane, you might even realise there are responsibilities there that you haven't even engaged with yet and you can choose to do that. The next third thing, the final thing, is lean into it. So about seven years ago, we decided to go on a family holiday and go snow skiing. And I had never been snow skiing. I've done a bit of wakeboarding and I used to love really crazy rides and had a really good stomach for it when I was young. So I thought, you know, this is good, but yes, I should get a couple of lessons. And so I was booked in to have a couple of lessons and as I go up the chairlift, for those of you who know these chairlifts, like, they're basically like just a few bits of metal. Like, there's no harness, there's no safety. Anyway, as I go up the chairlift, I realise something new in my life that I did not have when I used to wakeboard and when I used to do crazy rides, and that is that I've developed a fear of heights. And now I'm in this contraption that is very unsafe. And so my internal safety alarm is dinging on high alert, very, you know, it's, you know how when it's internal, but you think the whole world could, could hear this, it's, anyway, I make it to the top. I'm pretty shaken up, but I look down the mountain then of where I've got to go, my six-year-old Goots off past me, bye mum, he's gone. I'm left looking and I'm, I link up with the instructor and I'm looking down and you know, you realise how high you are and that you can see right down, you can see the whole valley down there where the people are like really little. And he gives me the key instruction then, you know, I'm thinking it's going to be okay. I've got an instructor who's going to help me. It's going to be okay. But he gives me the key instruction and the key instruction, he says that while I ski down this mountain, I need to lean in. And so the very thing terrifying me right now is that mountain down there. And he's saying, lean in. He's saying, lean towards what's terrifying you right now. Oh man, that was not good news for me. That was horrifying news for me. I give it a go, and for those of you who've skied, you'll know this. In a very few short meters, the pace picks up. (laughs) Very quickly. Which sends my fear and sends my alarm to a whole nother level. It's, It's definitely gotta be external now. And so it comes up, and so my natural thing of Leaning in like this is, I pull back. You know what happens when you pull back and you're going down? That's right, you just, you're a mess. And you have no control, you're all over the shop and you fall over. And so that day, I didn't have to choose to lean into my fear one time. (laughs) I fall over and I get up and I had to choose again because I had to get down that mountain. And so, I'm choosing to lean in and getting learning that more and more. What I had to do was I had to lean into what I was afraid of. I had to work with the provided environment. Fighting against it and resisting it was only going to cause crashes, falls, injuries. 
it was actually way slower and it was absolutely exhausting. And that's a word for someone. If you are fighting with your environment, it's exhausting. Work with your environment. So lean into it. Lean into it when things are changing faster than you can keep track of. And that's another word. If things are moving faster than you can tr keep track of, you might have to let go of keeping track of things because you've got to lean in. So God's showing that there is a fire that's come through and there's more changes to come, isn't there? The fire is the changes. There's ashes after the fire. The sitting in come means we come to terms with the change. We see it. We acknowledge it. We admit our part. But now Jesus is saying he is raining down. And for a few weeks here at church on Sunday during worship, I just see the rain coming down. He is raining down, and he loves to play on words. He's raining down. He rains. So he is up higher, and he's raining down on us. And in his raining, it's not torturous and tormenting. It's raining the beautiful rain of God's love down. He is watering the ground. The watering of God's love washes the ash, waters it into the ground. It nourishes and prepares that soil because he's preparing it for, and making the conditions good for pure, clean, wonderful, fresh growth. And you as a seed or you as a plant or you as a tree, wherever you are in that picture, you'll be resurrected into a new growth out of this time. He is raising you up. He is the lifter of our heads. He is our redeemer. He is the one who will cause you to rise up into who he says you are. So if we jump back to Isaiah 61, and we've read this, we'll read it again. It says, He will comfort all who mourn, provide for those who grieve in Zion, to bestow on them a crown of beauty instead of ashes, the oil of joy instead of mourning, and a garment of praise instead of heaviness. Now, as I keep reading, I want you to imagine yourself part of this community. Imagine yourself part of hope, and we are within Burpengary, and we are here, positioned here over this region. And just picture yourself as part of being positioned in this family for Burpengary and wider as I read this. And it says, They will be called oaks of righteousness, a planting of the Lord for the display of his splendor. They will renew, sorry, they will rebuild the ancient ruins and restore the places long devastated. They will renew the ruined cities that have been devastated for generations. In verse 7, it says, Instead of your shame, you will receive a double portion, and instead of disgrace, you will rejoice in your inheritance, and you will inherit a double portion in your land, and everlasting joy will be yours. And we're going to keep going. And in verse 9, it says, Their descendants will be known among the nations and their offspring among the peoples. All who see them will acknowledge that they are a people the Lord has blessed. This is not because we want to be famous, amazing people that everyone looks at. This is because God wants his name glorified here in Burpengary. He wants 
people who don't know God to go, what's going on there? I can see God. What's going on there that could only have happened because the Lord blessed that and caused that to be? What's going on there that our land is suddenly fruitful here in Burpengary? What's going on here that if you live in Burpengary, there's more grace? If you live in Burpengary, there's mercy, there's compassion, that actually people would talk to me just because I'm here. They'd look at me and actually talk to me in this area. What's going on here? That if I grow veggies in the backyard, that actually grow when I live in Burpengary. You know that that's actually happened? I have prayed cleansing over someone's house who lives in Burpengary East and their gardens grew better. That's what we want for this region as a church, right? So that's why this, we're reading this. It's not about us. It's about showing that, showing that people can see God because we believe in him and we're bringing him here. So verse 10 says, I greatly delight in the Lord. My soul rejoices in God, for he has clothed me with garments of salvation and arrayed me in a robe of his righteousness. As a bridegroom adorns his head like a priest and a bride adorns herself with her jewels, And take note of this, for as the soil makes the sprout come up and a garden causes seeds to grow, so the sovereign Lord will make righteousness and praise spring up before all nations. And for that that at the moment, that means all of this region, that praise will spring up before all of this region. That's what we're called to, that we will praise the Lord. We will be dressed in the blessing of the Lord and praise him, and all of this region will see the Lord. So in my vision for today, because God tricked me, and I think I've said that some another time, he, he tends to trick me, because he knows I might not be receiving of his word, so he comes in through a side gate. And he talked about things. Anyway, in that he said, for us here, I am doing this new thing. Mourning and weeping and wailing in the dirt is going to renew and cleanse the remnant. That's us. We're the remnant. Sit in the ashes. Fasting and mourning. Breakthrough will come in the morning. And then he says, I will raise up new people everywhere. They are ones not barred or hemmed in by tradition, not locked into frameworks that are destined to fail in new times. They are willing to be broken down, to sit in the ashes and get covered in soot. They are prepared to get their clothes covered in ashes. And in the ashes, they will dream and plan again on a new, fresh, clean slate with me. He said, fresh start on the clean slate. Out of the ashes they will rise. So I'd say to you today, just to have some questions for you as we close up. I'd say, what do you need to do with the Lord today? Do you need to sit in the ash, admit some things, confess some things, Receive comfort from the Lord for the loss. Do you need to look up and let go? Seek the Lord. What do you need to let go of so that you can embrace this new, beautiful, clean thing that the Lord is rising up in you? Do you need to get in your lane? 
Is it time to look at your life and see what is not in season with him and what are not your responsibilities? Is it time to embrace the responsibilities that are in your lane and step up in those? Do you need to lean in? Do you need prayer today? Do you need help to have the courage to lean in to what God is putting in front of you? So I'm just going to pray for God to help us connect with what our response is. And then after I've prayed, I've set up a little station down the front over this side with just some pens and paper. And that's an opportunity if you would like to do some confession with God, if you would like to let go of some things, if it's time to go, you know what, it's okay to let these ashes go and know that in doing so, it's going to build into a better future for me. If you need to do those things, come down, grab a piece of paper, and we've got a post box there. And the point is that when we confess things and when we let go of things, we post them away. We let them go. That box won't be red or anything like that. It's just a place for you to put it so it's gone from you. It's time to let go. And it's time to be prepared for the beautiful thing that the Lord is doing in you, in us, together. So, Lord, I pray now for you to come by your Spirit. I pray for you to come and put your finger on whatever it is for each person that you want them to do. Lord, I pray that they would hear that thought in their mind just now. For those who need to let go, they would hear that in their mind. Lord, for those who have a sense of it's time to admit, admit things to you, Lord, I pray they'd hear that. Lord, for those who know they need to take stock or take a look at their lane and let you point out what their responsibilities are, I pray you'd help them, Lord, with that. Lord, for those who just need help leaning in, I pray for your courage to come, God. I pray for just this sense of grace to come upon that, that even as they lean in and when they pull back and then they lean in and they pull back, you're okay with them. You'll help them. And that soon they'll be able to lean into something that once terrified them and paralyzed them and they will be able to ski at a fast rate, not even keeping track of all the changes. Lord, we love you. We love that you are speaking. We love that you have a heart for this area, God. We love that you have a heart for all the people in this whole region, Lord. And so we want to join with you and have your heart for the people around us as well, God. Show us your future, God. Show us your way, God. We want to let go of the ash. We want to welcome your raining down of watering it into the ground, God. We want to dream with you again. Lord, we want to dream with you on that fresh landscape, Lord. What is to come? What would you have us do, God? We thank you that you're speaking into this. And we praise your holy name, Lord Jesus. Amen. 
Thanks so much for listening to Hope Community Podcasts. We hope you enjoyed today's message and remember to subscribe to the channel to keep up to date. From everyone here at Hope Community, have the best week.